you fill out a form that's like, if an enemy captures you, Mrs. Columbo, what? Oh, yeah. Hang on. You, uh, you better be taking a huge jump out here. Yeah. Kurt, how can you be walking around with that ass? <laughs> Shut up. It's so big. <laughs> you know that? Do you just knock shit over when you walk through your house? <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> I'm Lester Holt. All right, so here we are. Finally, the season 32 premiere of Dateline. We thought it was Streets of Laredo. It wasn't. Here's Josh Mankiewicz with Losing Faith. Now, right off the bat, I go Losing Faith. Uh, is this one going to be about church or something? Wrong. It's just a tasty, tasty pun on the name of the guy who died. Yeah, I thought it was going to be the name of the wife. Nope, their last name is Faith. And I got some extra info for you, but let's, uh, let's just talk overall. What did you think... Of this episode. We got hosted by Jay Mank. If I'm being honest, and I always want to be honest. Always. I don't like when I can call it from the first second. <laughs> okay, that makes you not like the whole app. I know. I see like, oh, the husband got shot while walking the dog. I was like, oh, well, the wife set it up then. <laughs> like, what else would it be? Right. I agree, but you can't be stumped every new Dateline. I mean, I feel like I could guess who the killer is 95% of the time. But if they had interviewed her and made it seem like she wasn't the clear suspect, then it could have been like, oh, wait, this was a setup? Yeah. But they didn't have her in the episode, so it's clearly she's guilty. Jennifer Faith declined our request for an interview. I enjoyed the hell out of this episode because she is a level of conniving and evil oh. that you only get with female killers, I think. Is that fair to say? Just awful. And then learning her history that she's just oh, been God. awful. For years and years and years she's been playing this game. Since like high school. Yeah. Wait, do you agree with me on that? I feel like sometimes women killers are smarter and more conniving and stuff. What do you think? I think guy killers are dumb. Well, yeah. I think they're all kind of dumb because they all think they can get away with it. Oh, do they ever? And they think they can outplay the cops. Mm -hmm. But I think women usually have definitely more of a conniving motive. Men are just like angry or abusive and women want to like ruin lives. Oh, yes, they do. And this one in particular, because also I feel like guys aren't taking the time to plan stuff ahead. Mm -hmm. And like we said, old Jennifer Faith has been wanting to do this exact thing to any guy she's with for 30 years, I take it, right? And they're always really nice guys. Always, always really nice. This poor guy in his Hawaiian shirts and his flat Stanleys. I mean. Oh, man. Oh. And everyone loved him. Every, they couldn't shut up about how much they loved him. And they also couldn't shut up about how lovey dovey they were as a couple because what do we hear but that they were the perfect couple everybody was jealous the usual oh yeah red flag red flag red flag other couples were jealous of their relationship because they were so close the episode opens up and what do we have but some competition for lagordi loca to his million plus followers on facebook He's better known as Smash the Topic. Oh my gosh. Smash the Topic. What'd you think? These Facebook crime reporters are no joke. Yeah. And Jay Mank did another ride along. He sure did. This is his thing now. How'd you find out about this story? I was listening to the scammer. I think it's great. They're really out there getting the facts, informing the community, spreading the word. It's like Neighborhood Watch, but way more extreme because they're actually on the scene. Priscilla is known as 
La Gordiloca. Yeah, but also, what happens when the crimes doesn't happen by where this person lives? Like, wh what do Smash the Topic and La Gordiloca do for all the other records that they were not at the scene of a crime? That's true. I guess maybe they have a lot of feelers out there, a lot of men on the street working for them. Yeah, and then when they get there, they, I don't know what they bring to the table. He was just like, hey, man, it's a cold world. Yeah. Dead bodies, man. Cold world. Like, they're going to read about it in the paper or see it on the news anyway, but yeah. he's there first. He's there first, so we got to give him credit. It's cold world out here, man. Cold world. Now, you mention a Facebook group or something, and we get one of those in here, too, because we meet these two Karens, these two busybodies mm -hmm. who are on the case. What do you think about these two? I loved when they were like, our Facebook group learned about it from Smash the Topic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I woke up, went to my Facebook, and there was Smash Hot on the case. <laughs> <laughs> like they repost his stuff all the time. Yeah. No, it's great. And it really did feel like this was a tight-knit community where even though it was kind of in a busy area, it was like this section of town was, was its own thing and everyone was looking out for everyone. I woke up that morning and I checked our Oak Cliff Ladies Club page and smashed the topic was reporting that there had been a shooting. So Jamie and Jennifer Faith, they go take their dog for a walk like they do every day. And then we get this from ring cams, good old ring cams there. We hear an insane number of shots. And then. Jamie Faith was shot point blank seven times. Yeah, he was shot in the chest cavity, in the head three times, and then in the groin. That's the one, that's the one that's like, what? <laughs> Like, this is not a robbery, right? Three in the head, three no. in the chest, one in the dick. <laughs> and clearly that's someone who knows how to shoot a gun. Oh, yeah. Because if you can hit all those points. Yeah. And no misses. Not a single missed bullet. So Jennifer's losing her mind. You can hear her on all the recordings. Like, there's somebody, like, there are some blood-curdling screams. <laughs> and you feel real bad for that person until you learn it was Jennifer. Mm -hmm. And there's no reason to feel sorry for her as we'll find out. So there he is, he's dead in the street. Now people get a shot of the getaway vehicle. It's a big black truck. We find out it's a Nissan Titan. And there's a sticker on the back with a giant T, which Dateline says is for Texas Rangers, but okay, guess what? Did a little extra digging. Not Texas Rangers, it was for like the Texas Vols or the Volunteers or something. Another sports team in Texas. Weird, because turns out the owner of that truck didn't even live in Texas. He lived in Tennessee. My God, you're right. Wait, are the Vols in Tennessee then? I mean, if this was a misdirect by Jennifer, Jennifer thought she was really pulling a fast one because she supported the hell out of this. It's a guy with black eyes and we saw a truck drive away and there was a sticker. If you see this sticker, you know who it is. Yeah, I don't know. It, uh, do we know anything about Tennessee sports teams? No, although there might be a volunteers thing there. But all you got to know is it wasn't the Texas Rangers. But I got to tell you this. I know that extra fact because look, this, this baby's way too fresh for a book or anything. But guess what? This case was also the premiere episode of 2020 this year. Same case across the board. Oh, no. Which one aired first? I, it might have been the same week. It was like September 29th. Are they both on Fridays? They are. They air yeah. at the same time. They're competitors. Hey, guess what? No surprise. Dateline knocked their socks off. The 2020 is terrible. I don't know who the host is. I don't know if that's a talking head related to the person or this is the lady who's supposed to be telling us the story. Nobody knows. I know. It's so sloppy. It's a mess. And it, it's like the correspondence opinions. They give their, their personal opinion the whole time. And it's like, hey, man, 
Be partial. Yeah, and they do a lot of dramatic bullshit. They do your thing that you hate. They have reenactments of Jennifer obscured, like, while she's texting people. They bother to reshoot that stuff. But I did learn some extra tidbits, so I don't want to shit on it entirely. But we can, it's safe to say that Dateline's the superior episode and the superior show. Okay, so they bring Jennifer down for an interrogation, and Jennifer busts out her ring cam app, and for whatever reason, she has access to a camera. There's a camera that, there's a there's a weird guy walking around a house, and as Jennifer points out, that house is unoccupied, right? Yeah, she has no idea who that is because no one lives there, but that's a great point. What is that camera angle? It's like looking at her house and the house next door? That's what I want to know, because it was pointed to the back of someone's house, so either it's a camera that they have that's pointed away from their house. Or is, like, the garage back there? So it's, like, on the garage looking into oh, the yard. Oh, maybe that's it. I bet that's it. I bet that's it. Uh, okay, now it, this is the part of the episode where we meet the local correspondent that reported on this case. And guess what? Super, super babe. I was real into Maria Guerrero. Super babe. That's exactly what we thought it was. And that's what police were initially looking into this case. Oh, Okay. Well, she's at the NBC affiliate, right? Yep, she sure is. And she kind of sounds like the VIB from episodes past. Police believe the guilty guy who lies to them, and they disbelieve the innocent man who they lie to. Her voice kind of sounded the same. Mm. So maybe that's why I was into her. But I thought she was a super babe, uh, and she was covering this, so that was cool. What'd you think of her? Yeah, she was cute. Yeah. This is where we learn that Jamie was beloved by everyone, that he was kind of a nerd, because what did he do with dog bedding? He did some sort of, uh, like this was- Yeah, it sounds like he brought a laptop to the dog racing track. Not a laptop. I feel like it, I mean, maybe it was like one of those, like, uh, you know, giant ones. Oh, like a whole setup. I mean, this was years ago, I thought. He put in some calculations and the computer essentially told him which dog was going to win. So much so that he bought himself a maroon Cadillac. She just says Cadillac and you gotta love Jay Mank going, what color is that caddy? Yep. Tell me the color of that caddy. He had to know. And of course it's maroon. What color? It was like a maroon, maroon red. He wore Hawaiian shirts and gold chains. Oh, he wasn't missing a beat. <laughs> All right, so we got a murder. Town's up in arms. So the two Karens, they want to do something to help out because they got to be involved in this somehow. So they text Jennifer and ask if they can help out. And Jennifer says, come on over. Yeah, she wants company. She wants attention. And she gets it because the Karens bring food, right? They decide that they're going to make lunch and dinner for like a few months. And then they also set up a GoFundMe for her. Which, so, okay, look, GoFundMe is definitely a thing that is needed in our country since healthcare isn't a right, and a lot of times people need help paying their medical bills. But it's weird in this case to just assume that when there's a death, people need money. Don't you think? Yeah, I mean, it is, especially when that money results in, like, matchbooks with the dead guy's face on it and stuff. Right. She spent the money on a very, very elaborate funeral that was over the top. And tacky as all. Get out. Very tacky. I just didn't quite understand why they felt like she needed a GoFundMe. I mean, they weren't broke, and she had a job, didn't she? No. 
She did not have a job. I know that because that's when she tries to justify how many texts they would share a day. You go, I'm unemployed and he's retired. Oh, you're right. What do you want from me? She did say that. Yeah. Um, the GoFundMe. I'm personally, I hate GoFundMes because my friend Nicole started one for a sick cat while her mom was also sick. We didn't get any money at all. And it bugs me that GoFundMes are not based on what you care. It's like if it goes viral or whatever. That's what bothers me is that the people who get like $200,000 is just because they got featured on Good Morning America or something. Right. And then it blows up. Like that kind of <laughs> bothers the hell out of me. Yeah. But they end up raising about sixty-five grand for Jennifer and her daughter. And she spends it all on matchbooks. On the dumbest shit. Yet again, just like with the East Texas game. He's so stupid. He didn't know I put it right in him in pickup truck. There's some people that just shouldn't have extra money. She's one of them because mm -hmm. she spends it on party favors, matchbooks with his face on it. I don't know, bottle openers, bricks that say things like fathers are easy, but a good dad right. is hard to find. Like painted on a brick in that stupid cursive font. I'm like, not the stepfather. I'm the father who stepped up or whatever. Uh, yeah. Bingo. I'll bet money that that exact saying was somewhere in their house. Oh, probably. But that's another red flag because this whole funeral was just it wasn't really about celebrating jamie's life it was about how much jennifer claimed she and jamie were in love it was about their marriage yeah you're right i mean it's like that's not a funeral isn't about your relationship it's about the person and all of the people in his life not just you i think that's a great point and that is definitely a red flag in these situations where like if the person mourning makes it about them Keep an eye on him. She made this dumb book for him where it's like a kid's book and they read it page by page at the service. And this is what the lady was talking to J-Make about, about how it was overboard. There were moments when Teresa tried not to roll her eyes. And it would say, I love you every day when I wake up. I love that you're the first person I talk to. I love some of these talking heads today, Kate. And she's one of them because I don't know about you, but I think she's doing a little flirting with J-Make. Right? Oh, yeah. She was wearing a tank top. She had her hair all brushed to the side. Her giggles. Oh, my God. Her giggles at Jay Mink saying something to her was like, oh, she is smitten. I thought it was adorable. I mean, wouldn't you be? Yeah, absolutely. Because he goes, he goes, hey, usually the people I talk to, they're not supposed to be more cynical than me. And she's like, oh, oh you stop. <laughs> stop it, Jay Mink. <laughs> the people I interview are not supposed to be more cynical than I am. <laughs> Sorry. That was my one of two J-Make moments where I was just like, this is why he's J-Make and Murph Dog is not. There's two moments in this episode, okay? Uh-huh. She was like, listen, I've been married 18 years and my husband's not getting a book. Yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> what did Jennifer think she was doing with that funeral? Because she's up there saying how perfect their marriage was how they were soulmates. But then we find out later she's texting her friends about how the marriage is loveless and she wants out and she's no sex. having an emotional affair. And it's like yeah. people at that funeral knew that all of that was fake because she was telling them the scoop. Well, I guess her girlfriend Tina knew that, right? She had a friend that knew. There's always more than one girlfriend that knows. Okay, fair. 
right, so the funeral happens. It's gaudy. It's awkward. It's live streamed because it's important we point out this was heyday of COVID. Like those pews, those people were six feet apart and stuff. Oh, I didn't realize that. So after the funeral, Jennifer makes a call to the cops and she's got all these ideas about who it might be, right? Because again, misstep by the killer that is that you learn particularly well in Columbo's is that if they offer suggestions of what happened or who the guilty party is, they're the ones who did it. Because she comes at him with, you know, there was this drunk in the neighborhood and he would like get drunk and like walk around. Maybe he shot him. That's what she said. That was her suggestion that she made to the cops. Yeah. What would that guy's motive be? Yeah. For seven shots, one in the dick. What's the drunk guy doing that for? Right? She didn't care. So there's not only that, but she also suggests that he had to make some layoffs during COVID. He's like an IT guy for American Airlines. He had to lay off 20 people and was really stressed out about it. This was another suggestion that Jennifer made to the police. They came back to bite her. All right, so right around here in the episode is where we learn that it was a loveless marriage. Although, like, they were real lovey-dovey and touchy in public, but they hadn't boned in four years. They were having sex probs. Right. Well, according to her. Yeah, you're right. You're right. According to her. Yeah, you're right. We don't know, actually. Who the f***? Who can you believe in this case for what she... I don't believe her. Certainly not. Oh, my God. The lies that she says about this dead guy that she murdered just... Okay, so it's at this point that we learn more about this mystery man in her life. Well, she offered up her cell phone to the cops and they discovered the conversation she was having with her girlfriend talking about this emotional affair. You're right. And that it was with a guy she used to date in high school named Darren. So the cops, they start looking for this Darren guy and he's not in her phone, but they do find like a weird remnant of a Facebook contact in her phone. Yeah, you're right. But with no actual information, just the name. But then they can use that name Darren Lopez to track down this guy. Yeah. And they find Yeah, him. because Jennifer did the classic dumb killer move of, I'll just factory reset my phone. That's it. Problem solved. No, Jen. That's not how it works. Nope. They still got that shit. And they got all that shit when they hit up Verizon or whoever. Because they sent over records. And wouldn't you know it, they had texted Kate. They had texted just a little bit. Oh, just a little bit. Yeah. A lot of bit. Although, as I've said previously, it's not that much. They they don't understand what 13,000 texts is. Okay, I thought of you when I saw this, and I thought about the last time we discussed this. That number was 4,000, and I agree with you there. This one, they did the math. It's over 500 texts a day. That's a lot. That Wait, not only that, Kate, it's after the mother is already dead that this communication is happening. Mm. That's a lot of texts. You got to give them that, right? Yeah, but like she said, they're both unemployed they got nothing but time on their hands yeah i guess well he was retired because what he do for a living eh what did he do well he was in the military sure was and he was a green beret this guy wasn't a pencil pusher he was in the thick of it he was and he had a purple heart and a bronze star he was a decorated veteran and he did several tours but he also was injured and he had a, a serious head injury yeah now uh i gotta put this carefully I feel like every soldier that joins the military and comes home comes home with that purple heart. I feel like it'd be weirder if someone didn't have a purple heart. What do you think, Kate? Well, isn't the purple heart specifically for when you save someone? Oh, it is? I thought it was like if you got injured or something. Mm. He did save somebody. They have that person on the episode because he's got buddies from the military that are shocked that he did this because they're like, he saved my life. Yeah, and honestly, I don't know that this would have happened if he hadn't had that head injury. It really messed him up, and he was susceptible to Jennifer's brainwashing and lies. And also, he had kind of started secluding himself from the outside world and was living in one of those compounds that he 
built. Yeah, those cops were sweat. They are terrified of Waco happening again. Yeah, they did not want to go into his compound. They thought there was going to be not at all a Branch Davidian situation. And what did J Mank say when they presented this issue? How do we get this guy out of his house? J Mank goes, How do you arrest Rambo? How do you arrest Rambo without the Hollywood body count? That was pretty good. Classic. Right? And then he follows it up. Okay. So, J Mank has two movie refs in this episode. I don't know if I'm counting them from our list. I'll consider it. But how do you kill Rambo? And then immediately after, he says the Taken line. He says he has a particular set of skills or whatever. Mm. Like he says that about Darren. I thought that Listen, was pretty cool. Listen, J-Mank, he understands pop culture references. Also, Darren Lopez was more than a special forces veteran with a very particular set of skills. But before they descend on the house or arrest the guy, they're doing surveillance because, like Jennifer said, black truck with a T on it. There's a black truck with a T. That's the killer. So they're doing surveillance with some drones and shit. they see the truck there's that t this i thought was the coolest part of the whole episode they never go this hardcore with it yeah seeing the footage he's in tennessee and these cops are in texas and they have like the fbi involved yeah. to do a flyby mm -hmm. and get this drone footage yeah i feel like that never happens they never go that hardcore i agree is this because if you cross state lines that's how the fbi gets involved right Yes, but even to bring out drones feels like a step up. And I don't know yeah. if it's because they feel like, given this guy's past, that he's dangerous and maybe they felt like he could do it again to somebody. But typically, if there's just like a one-off murder, they're not going to go this hardcore with it. Yeah, you're right. It was impressive, and I did like seeing the drone footage and all like the extra info that they had on it. Mm -hmm. But then they go back a second time. That T is gone. This means Darren is wise to their moves. Mm -hmm. So this is when they're like, okay, we got to pounce. So they get the warrant or whatever. They pull him over and arrest him. Yeah. Boom. We got the killer behind bars. This is good. He went with them without incident. They didn't have to bust through his compound at all. Yeah, Rambo didn't do anything. Uh, David Crush didn't show up and go like, me again. Nothing happened. They eventually did go into his home and... What'd they find? They found it was like a hoarder mess. Yeah, him and his two daughters living in a real filth pit. Yeah, complete disarray. And they found um, the murder weapon. Yeah, in a rucksack, as they called it. A military rucksack, which I thought was pretty funny. Mm -hmm. And it was a military-style rucksack. Inside the backpack was a 45 caliber semi-automatic pistol. Yeah, they found the gun, for one. And this was, what, seven months after the murder? He's sitting on this thing. He's still got the murder weapon with her blood on the gun. Yeah, not smart. But they also find... So one, this filthy house. I mean, look, I've been accused of living in filth in the past. In my 22 years on the job, I don't know that I've ever seen a house that was in that deplorable of a living condition. It's never that bad, I can tell you that. Never looks as bad as Darren's pad, okay? The Kurt Cave has never looked that bad. That was pretty rough. Yeah, and... Do you feel for those daughters? And the whole... It wasn't just in the house. It was the whole property, too. It was trashed. And it was this big McMansion-style house, but there's just all this shit in the yard and junk everywhere. And I can't believe teenage girls were living there. They also find a big screen TV or a box for a big screen TV. Mm. And what do these addresses say on it, Gate? What's the return and what's the two? Are they people that we know? Yeah, it turns out mm -hmm. uh, Jennifer bought him that new TV and sent it to him. Sent it to him from Jennifer Faith to Darren Lopez. Yeah. On the box. I wonder what she wanted him to watch. <laughs> 
you know she was talking about something and he's like oh i've never seen that and she was like well you need to see it and he's like oh i don't have a tv so she buys him a tv and probably yeah. forced him to watch whatever it was outlander it's probably outlander oh it's a hundred percent outlander <laughs> Jennifer loves Outlander. There's no doubt. Yeah. Uh, so she's buying him a TV. She's sending him credit card info. I mean, she is just making it rain on this Darren guy. They asked Jennifer about this Darren guy, and we learned that they had a romance in high school. And boy, did Dateline love telling us about this kiss in front of the Eiffel Tower. They loved that smooch. They really loved that. And to me, it's so innocuous. It's like, yeah, they went on a Europe trip in high school. They were all over the place. Who cares? Yeah, I mean, I just, I got to look at it from a perspective of them trying to get people to watch it, I suppose. Because that was a big part of the the promo on it, right? I Maybe they're just trying to plus it up. Because by itself, it is an interesting fact. But they make it sound like he's this pathetic guy that was hanging on to this one kiss 30 years ago. I mean, as soon as he emailed her, she couldn't wait to talk to him. Yeah. They made it sound like this was a long lost love from 30 years ago. He told me about a kiss that they shared in front of the uh, Eiffel Tower in Paris over 30 years ago. And no way am I putting this episode because it's made me sound like a monster. But when that happened, I told my buddy McClure, I said, there's no way that lady inspired 30 years of unrequited love. No way. What do you think, Kate? Well, you just said you're not putting this in. Because uh, I don't think I should, right? I also wonder how a woman like Jennifer was able to manipulate so many men. <laughs> okay, we're not staying in. Because what is she bringing to the table? This is wrong. I do think that they made it seem like Darren was pathetic and lovesick over her. But it's not true because he had gone off to the military. He had met and married another woman and had five children and a whole life. Yeah. Like he wasn't pining for Jennifer. If he had been, there was nothing stopping him all these years from contacting her. And it wasn't until he found himself divorced and single again that he reached out to her. When you're in the military, if you get captured, there are like keywords that they want from you so that they can ask you that to make sure that you're really who you are. Yeah. Is that right? It's like when you're creating a password and you need hints. Yeah. And, um, Jennifer was one of his. Mm -hmm. But that makes sense because he went into the military right after high school. She was fresh on his mind, but it's not like 30 years later that would be the same password. Like he would probably have one of his daughters or something. Yeah, I can't fault him for this because I, for a long time, my emergency contact was the one that got away. Because my thought was, what if something bad happens? They call her, she knows the fam. Boom, I'm back in, baby. Yeah, I mean, look, when I'm <laughs> when I'm creating a password online and I have to make those hints, yeah, some of them are um, maybe viewed as pathetic. <laughs> yeah. I have been known to hold a candle for someone for 30 years. Yeah, okay. But in this case, I don't think Darren was doing that. No, and we got to say this. So, so Darren's a killer, and it's a bummer that he did it, and we got to get this guy in jail. But as we discover when Darren is in jail, there's way more to the story. Because Darren's ex-wife, her hub's in jail. She's, like, trying to do paperwork or whatever. And she discovers all these old emails between Darren and Jamie. Now, what did these emails entail, Kate? These emails from Jamie were clearly written by Jennifer and not Jamie. Duh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they just detailed all of the abuse that he was allegedly carrying out on Jennifer. So these emails were like, I'm beating the shit out of her and torturing her. And here are the photos of places on her body where I've hurt her. And I think I'm going to kill her. Yeah. And he says so. He says on our anniversary, I'm going to kill her through sex. And that was the day that he got murdered. Yeah. 
And Darren fell for it. He thought that those were emails that, I guess the context was that Jamie found out about their texting and was so mad that he just started beating the shit out of her. That never happened. It's not, it never happened. She wrote the emails. It wasn't even clear if they were from his real email address. They might've just been like one that she made up on a Hotmail account and pretended were from him. Yeah. I mean, look, Darren's got some issues. I I feel he should have sniffed this out. I mean, this poor dope. Because for one, so supposedly Jamie finds out and emails him and it's like, I'm so mad at my wife that I'm gonna like gang rape her and stuff. I'm gonna get all my bros over here and we're gonna f*** her and then we're gonna tell you about it. Right then and there, I say bullshit. This guy, Jamie, does not have friends who are involved in gangbangs. No. Right? It's possible that he could secretly be into BDSM or whatever. That's a very real possibility. But you got to be in some sick shit to have buddies that you can call up and be like, hey, come over and f*** my wife. Right? And we did meet his buddies. And they were these sweet twins who played pool with him. Do the twins! Twins all star the app. Twins. Did you love these twins? The twins were, they were so great. They were like- They were adorable. Jamie lit up the bowling alley. <laughs> he was the best dude, but they had no interest in him sexually. They friend zoned him. Yep, yep. And these two, these are some classic twins where they are like finishing each other's and like all oh, this, like they're going back and forth. Mm -hmm. They're so funny. I loved them so much. I wanted to play pool with them. What made him ineligible? He was like one of those- Friends. Friend zone. <laughs> Jamie, like, always lit up the bowling alley. He lit up the bowling alley is not something I hear very often. <laughs> <laughs> like, she actually said friend zone. Friend zone, yeah. It's funny. Yeah, and they also were very quick to admit that they said, Jamie, don't you let this one go. When he started dating Jennifer, they were like, she's a keeper, lock her down. Right. And they regretted that. I loved them, and they were awesome. Yeah, all-star of the app goes with those twins. What do you say? I think so, yeah. 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 Well, just a second. What about those photos of Jennifer's injury? I'm calling bullshit on these pictures, okay? Because one, they were all zoomed in. It was like from an accident that she was in two years ago. Yeah, it was an insurance claim from a car accident. Yeah. So she needed the photos. So like these two facts alone, he doesn't have frenzy gangbang and these pictures didn't have her face in it with the bruises. Already I'm calling bullshit. And Darren's like, no, I get it. This is this is real. This is very real. And then later, J-Mang's talking to him in a prison and it's like, why didn't you tell the police? And his point was because she didn't didn't want to ruin the memory of her daughter's stepdad. Like, that's why. Now, if that were true, do you really think that mom would be that adamant about protecting the memory of a guy that gang raped her with her buds? What do you think? No. No. No, but again, this goes back to the head injury. Like, he's just, he doesn't have all of, oh, yeah. all of his wits about him anymore and he's super gullible and yeah, I, I mean, yeah, he, he murdered him, but I totally was down with his lawyer's argument. They were pulling that Texas law where if you believe you are protecting somebody, it's not like first degree murder. And he really believed that she was in danger. But then the other argument was like, no, that only works if it's like in the moment someone's being attacked. Imminent or whatever. Like it can't be uh, ahead of time. It was still premeditated and it can't be. Yeah. Now, I love when the... But I did understand why they were trying to play that angle. Because, like, he really just... 
He just thought he was doing the right thing. Oh, and he still did when he got arrested, okay? He thought he did when he got arrested, and his lawyer had to spend months convincing him that Jennifer was playing him. That's why I feel for him, and I think there's truth to the fact that he really thought he was saving her, mm -hmm. in that his lawyer was like, no, dude, she's evil. She did this to screw you. Mm -hmm. And he's like, nope, nope, she loves me. He did that for months. Like, it, you couldn't convince him otherwise. That's pretty sad, right? It's really sad. And that we kind of learned that she's done this stuff before, not to this degree, but that She's always been playing these husbands and uh, emotionally cheating and then like telling lies to get out of relationships and just using men. Yeah, mystery men that are attracted to her. Her whole thing. Okay, so. Yeah, she, she'll make up that some dude is into her so that it makes her current dude jealous. And then there's like, it, it's all very conniving and. Well, yeah. 20 years ago, she's married and then starts talking to this guy and starts telling him, oh, he's abusive, he's bad. So she's trying to convince him to kill him, okay? Do it while he's gardening and he chickens out. And I love this guy on one, she kind of had a type because he had a fun shirt and he was a bigger guy. I couldn't even, I was like, is this the same dude? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I look, we got to give him props for coming on Dateline. He didn't want to. He was embarrassed as he should be and he did not want to do it, but he did it for our sake. He did. That was good. I feel like a fool. I know you were a little reticent to sit down here because of that. Sure. You don't want to look bad in front of the world. But we got to say this. Not only was she pretending to be Jamie and saying that the sadistic stuff, which the cops bought hook, line, and sinker themselves because those cops were like, this was the most sadistic stuff I've ever read in my entire life and I hope to ever read in my life. Like, they were appalled. Yeah. The most sadistic ways you can possibly imagine. I'm willing to bet that it's probably not that bad. They had a lot of fun in the app during the trial saying like, hey, this is a family show. We can't really tell you what was said because this is network TV, but trust me, it was pretty salacious. I tried tried to find it on YouTube because I wanted to know how salacious these were because even my girl Maria was like, we all felt like we needed to take a shower afterwards. And I was like, okay. Honestly, we kind of needed a shower. It was not good. <laughs> they had a lot of fun setting up the fact of how awkward this exchange was when the attorney or when the DA and the arresting detective had to like read the transcript back and forth. And they were like, I love you. <laughs> I love those. You're so hot. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. I'll just bend you over my lap and give you a quick spanking. It gets way racier. Just uh, take my word for it. She's sending these fake emails. She's sending these fake photos. One of which, the cut lip she got from Shutterstock, which classic, classic dork on TV doesn't get stuff. The guy's like... She uploaded that off the internet at Shutterstock.com. Oh, uh, you mean she downloaded it, my man. If she uploaded it, she'd be she... putting it on Shutterstock. <laughs> right? Come on. Come on. Yeah. I watched an episode of MacGyver the other day where they're talking computers and it was the most aggressively wrong stuff I've ever heard. He was talking to a video editor and saying, hey, why don't you just bitmap it to like enlarge an image? Just bitmap it. Got an image enhancer that can bitmap? Bitmap? What's that? I vector in on that guy by the back wheel and enlarge the z-axis. And enhance the X and Y. Now we're cooking all right. What the f*** that mean? Anyway, that was the 80s. MacGyver, I'm going to let it slide. But this guy, this cop in 2023 should know how Shutterstock works. Moving on. You know, I actually, I did really like these cops in this episode. <laughs> they were cool and... I don't think I've ever seen... You mean the vest besties? Yeah, I don't think I've ever seen better dressed cops. Bingo. I was going to say... They had really great suits. They looked so sharp. They did. Like, for the first time in several episodes, 
I don't think we could describe the cops as dinguses. They were on it. They had a clear path from the start. Yeah. They weren't falling for any of her bullshit. Like, they're the real deal. I agree, and their heart's in the right place. And on 2020, they were also there. And they also had banging suits on there, too. Different ones. So they got a whole closet. Mm. Now, Church clothes. I agree with you. <laughs> yeah. I Well, speaking of that, okay. I agree with you that these guys are not dinguses. However, I don't know how I'd react if the detective assigned to my case came in and was like, let's pray on this because that ain't my bag, baby. Yeah. Right? Like, would you... It's Texas, though. Look, okay, okay, I guess. You went to pray with the family? Uh, yes, I did. You do that on all investigations? I do it quite often. I'm a strong uh, believe in the good Lord. One, my first instinct was to be mad. Like, that's not my belief system. Don't be bringing that in here because I'm dealing with a dead spouse. Like, I don't have time for the niceties that I usually use in these situations. But part of me wonders if something like this happened and I wasn't the killer, I might change that tune and start praying right away. What do you think? I think it's possible. Well, whenever we, you know, it, it, you get into some kind of harrowing situation and all of a sudden... Dear God, please help me. Yeah, I yeah. swear I'll be better. Yeah. You know. Uh, the one time I was arrested, my buddy started doing that. When we were in, lo in the lockup room, he started praying and stuff. And I was like, that ain't going to work, bro. <laughs> I was a real badass. Okay. I was 17. I was mad at the world. I said, why are you bothering? Are you going to tell the listeners what you got arrested for? Eh, I'll just say I was peeing on some pants that didn't belong to me. Peeing on pants? At a Sears. During a tornado. Wow, so there's layers to this. Yeah, that's how I roll. Okay. Oh, oh, this, she not only was pretending to be her husband, she was pretending to be her husband's friends. So she's got multiple accounts, and this was number two. This was my favorite part of the episode, Kate. When Jay Mink goes to Rob Schmidt and says, hey, Rob Schmidt, I've got an email in here that I'm going to read you, okay? And he says, it's from Rob Schmidt. And the listeners know, don't know, but I'm pointing at Kate real funny because Jay Mink did a hell of a point. Tell me you remember the point that he did to Rob Schmidt. I don't. Ah! Kate, it's so good. It's so good. I mean, it really is. He pauses for what feels like 10 seconds to go like, eh, it's you. And Rob Schmidt is like, I didn't write that, blah, blah, blah. I don't have an AOL account. That's not me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> also, J-Manx said that those texts were 50 shades of TMI. Ooh. Fun that J-Manx having. Another ref. Yeah. Their emails were filled with 50 shades of TMI. So things are falling apart on old Jennifer. I mean, they talked to the Karens, too, and they're like, yeah, I mean, she spent all that... Go fund me money. I loved at the end that Jamie goes, they're still talking about it. And they cut to the ladies going, I literally went over to her house. And it was just, I just, it was fun. They yeah. were really upset that the GoFundMe, aside from the gaudy funeral, they were upset that that money went to Darren. Yeah, yeah, it did. Like for the TV and food and all the stuff she was buying him. Yeah, that was wild. Uh, So they go to trial. I mean, they got evidence like crazy. They got the gun with blood on it. Right, they got all these emails, and oh, and oh my God, uh, was it a few weeks or a month or so after the murder? Jennifer appears on not just one local news. I learned this in 2020. She went on multiple news shows to say like, "Hey, help look for the killer or my husband. Who would do this to me? I'm 48. I shouldn't be like this when I'm 48." She says. Hmm. I'm not supposed to be widowed at 48. <laughs> and so she's on there saying, "It's a black truck with a T on it. If you see it, please call the cops." Now at this exact moment where she's on the news saying, if you know anything about this tea, you let me know. She's texting Darren, you've got to get that tea off your truck. You've got to get it off today. Mm -hmm. So like she's over there spending this GoFundMe money. She's like, oh, woe is me. My husband's dead. My poor daughter. And there she is trying to cover up them tracks. And oh, and also one of the texts in, this was on 2020, is they showed 
at one point Jennifer is like mocking the news show. They were like, the reporter was okay, but they made me, they wanted to film me looking at pictures of Jamie barf. That's what she said. Okay. In this text made her look at a book of photos of her dead husband for like B roll. And she was like barf. Wow. Yeah. That's pretty crazy. That's pretty crazy. And then this is the biggest thing I learned from 2020. And again, 2020 stinks, Dateline, you ain't got nothing to worry about. However, they did give us this little info that when it first happened, Jennifer started a group text to all of her friends. There were 13 people in this group text. And it was just like an update day to day, like what we know or, you know, what we need, blah, blah, blah. Guess what one of those numbers was, Kate? Guess what one of those numbers in that group text for updates about this murder, guess who one of those people were? Was it Darren? It was Darren. I mean, that, that's cold. That's bold, Jennifer. I mean, my God. And then they show the text and he's like, oh, my high school sweetheart, LOL. Oh, I don't think the cops are doing a good job on this. How do, how do you include the killer on the group text? And that friend who responded to her text about the serial shooter? Well, it turns out that was Darren, the actual killer, pretending to offer his take. And guess what? I think it's time. You want to talk about some lists? Okay. Sure. Does it take place in a small town? The kind of town where things like this just don't happen. No, it's Dallas. Is there a Florida connection? No, but it's it's Dallas. That's true. And three, is there a military connection? Yes, Big Darren time. was a vet. Big time. However, I am still thinking about possibly changing my list. Why? I want to replace the military one with... Does somebody cry and then apologize for crying? <laughs> what? Really? You can't replace military. Why do you want to replace it? It's such a good thing. I, you, don't, you don't think it's good? I picked it because originally I felt like so many of these stories took place in Florida and involved the military. And now it feels like way more episodes include someone crying who then stops themselves and says, I'm sorry. And that's funnier. Okay. So did that happen? No. <laughs> okay, but it's added to the list. I love it. Uh, all right, well, now we go to my list. Kurt's kick-ass list. Now, Kate, there's been two eps now of me playing a theme song for my list. And I'm waiting for you to ask, where's my theme song? People have been asking me, why doesn't Kate have a theme song? And I said, I'm waiting till she asks because it cracks me up. Did you ever consider this or no? I just felt like <laughs> the lists were your idea. They were? Oh, okay, cool. And you're the one cutting it together. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So it's your prerogative to make your stuff sound fancier than mine. <laughs> well, do you do you want a theme song? Do you, would you like one? Sure, but I don't know where you'd take it from. Well, right now, say, it's time for Kate's List, or whatever the hell your, Kate Lines List. What, what's the name of your list? I mean, I've got a name for mine. I don't have a, I don't have a name. See, that's the other issue. You think on a name, and then I'll have a theme song for it. Bet. But in the meantime, Kurt! Kick-ass Kick list. Kick-ass list. Kick-ass list. Number one. Did they talk about Dateline on the episode? They didn't specifically say Dateline, but I'm counting it because of the part where Jay Mank is like, we don't usually cover this on network television. What do you think? Is that pushing it? Maybe that doesn't count. And other things we don't really talk about on network TV. So it's an iffy. Number two. Do they say it's like a movie? No, but we got a Rambo ref and a Taken ref. So I'm plugging those in. Those were pretty good. I think that counts. Yeah, I'm counting it. We bring ourselves to number three on Kurt's kick-ass list. Do they say signs of a struggle? This is another thing that I'm telling you. I hear all the damn time in crime shows. All the time. 
But I don't know, the last seven episodes, we haven't heard it once. I think we got to rethink these lists, Kurt. You know what? Here's the unfortunate part. Because of that thing's connection to the burbs, I can never cut it. I'm sorry. You must live with that as one of my lists forever and ever and ever. God, I love this street. So no signs of a struggle. No. If I add anything to my lists, it's going to be if they say... Well, just because they did this doesn't make them a murderer. Yeah, that's a good one. I'm adding that because that happens all the time. We've heard it like three times in the last couple weeks. That doesn't mean he killed her. And on that note, I'm Kurt Money. I'm Kateline. I'm Lester Holt. For all of us, I'm Lester Holt. Good night. That ass. <laughs>